As our study begins today, or our lesson begins today, we find Jesus arriving in Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles. And at some point after he arrives in Jerusalem, we find that he starts to teach those that are around him. He happens, happens to be in the, um, in the temple, in one of the courts of the temple. And in, we'll start reading at John 8 and verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now that scripture says an awful lot in just a few words. On the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, it just happened to be that time when Jesus is in Jerusalem again, there's a ceremony called the Illumination. And in that ceremony, there's four great big candelabra that are lit to dispel the darkness. And it was claimed that the light was so great and so bright from these candelabra that it lit up every courtyard in Jerusalem. So there was this tremendous light. And after this lighting of the candelabra would take place, the holiest of the men of Israel would dance before the fire and they would sing psalms and the crowd would watch. And I don't think it was just a coincidence that Jesus chose this particular place and this particular time and this particular night when the lighting of the candelabra took place to speak his message about being the light of the world. Now, look at what Jesus said here. He did not say that he was able to guide people to the light. He did not say that he could help them develop some type of inner light. Instead, he told them that he was the light. Big difference. And he went on to say that anyone that followed him would experience walking in the light. If you follow me, then you will be in the light because I am the light. And this comment obviously caught the attention of the crowd because they were standing in this tremendous light of these four giant candelabra. In addition to that, in the Old Testament, there's many places where the coming Messiah is spoke in terms of a light. A light to the people will come. There will be a light that comes to the people. So Jesus is not just speaking just randomly. His timing is exactly what he wants it to be here. He's in this tremendous light. He's speaking that he is the light. Now, by saying that he's the light, he's also saying, I'm the Messiah. Didn't make him real popular with some of them. He was making quite a powerful statement. And again, you have those self-righteous Pharisees that just happened to be around. And it did not make them very happy because they began to dispute what Jesus was saying. In verse 13, the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. They said you can't be your own witness. <clears throat> In terms that we would understand today because we have so much court TV, they're saying that Jesus had to have a cooperating witness. You can't testify for yourself. You have to have someone to cooperate that or someone to verify your testimony. Jesus told them even if he was his own witness, even if he testified for himself, 
that he knew where he came from and he knew where he was going, so it was okay if he did that. He went on to say that your law says that the testimony of two men is valid. Okay? Jesus is taking their law and applying it back to what they're saying. He's saying, now your law says that the testimony of two men is valid, right? And they go, sure. And then in verse 18, this is what he says. I am one who testifies for myself. The other witness is the Father who sent me. Gotcha. Exactly. You said it takes two men to be a witness. I'm one. And the Father that sent me is the second one. So there's your two witnesses. Now you would think that would suffice. But not with the Pharisees. Then they ask him, well, who is your father? In the second half of verse 19, this is what Jesus said. Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would also know my father. And this brings us to the next portion of our scripture reading. We're going to read a lengthy passage of scripture here, uh, verses 21 through 30. And please, before we start reading, if you would just make a mental note. This is the mental note. This is the long reading. I'm going to stay with him. I promise we are headed somewhere. There was a pastor that got up one morning and preached a a quite lengthy sermon. And when the service was over, he was standing at the back door and, and one of the older ladies came up to him and she said, Pastor, I just want you to know that that sermon this morning reminded me of the peace and the love of Jesus Christ. He said, that's very touching. Why did it remind you of the peace and love of Jesus Christ? No one's ever said that to me before. She said, well, it reminded me of the peace of Jesus because it passed all understanding. And it reminded me of the love of Jesus because it endured forever. So I ask this morning that you just please stay with me, and I promise we will get somewhere. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And this made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you did not believe that I am the one that I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what have I been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you. But he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him, I will tell the world. They did not understand what he was, that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for what I do always For I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. So back at this first part of the scripture, Jesus tells them that he's going away. And they take that, how they twisted that, I'm not sure, but they take it as the fact that they think maybe he's going to kill himself. And Jesus rebuked him and said, there's a big difference in you and me. You're of this world, and I'm not. Now, 
they didn't understand that right then. They didn't understand that what he was saying when he said he was the light. But now he's saying that not only am I the light, not only am I the Messiah, but I'm not enough, not even of this world. You're of this world and I'm not. He goes on to tell them that they would die in their sins, but he would not. And that their only escape from dying in their sin was to believe in him. Now that's a powerful statement. And we can, we can criticize the people of that day, and we can criticize even the Pharisees, but and not in, totally in their defense, but think about if someone stood up in front of you and said that he was from another world, and that unless you follow me, you're going to die. It would be a little difficult. But Jesus didn't leave it at that. Because at that point, I don't think that he was really popular with much of anybody at that point. And the Pharisees asking him, ask him again, who are you? In verses 24 and 28, Jesus uses the term I am. And this statement, it kind of echoes a proclamation of God's identity that he made to Moses. Let's look back in Exodus 3 and 14 and see where this really closely correlates. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you, has sent me to you. So Jesus is kind of using this same terminology. He is saying, I am. And this should remind the ones that were very learned in the, in the scripture of what God had said to Moses. So now it's kind of all making sense to them, hopefully. He's saying that I am from another place. I'm not of this world. And now he's saying, I am this and I am that. And so for some of them, it's starting to click and say, he's saying he's from heaven. And this really upset the Pharisees. Because now this guy was claiming that he was one with God. He goes on later in the, in the same chapter of John in, in verse 58. He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. So now he's saying that he existed even before Abraham. Now they're really not happy. At this point, the next scripture says that they picked up stones and were going to stone him. It's really getting out of hand. In verses 25, going back to our, our reading, in verses 25 through 30, Jesus tries to explain that he is only on earth because he was sent by God. I'm only here for one reason. I'm doing what the Father has sent me to do. That's what he said. He said that everything that he did when he was on earth and everything that he said was what he heard from the one that sent him. That's what he said. He said, everything that I'm telling you, I learned from the Father. I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. He told them in verse 28 that when he would be lifted up, that they would know then who he was. Now at that time, again, I don't really think they understood what he was talking about. When I am lifted up, then you'll understand. And his, this was an allusion to the crucifixion. 
And even though they didn't understand at this point, I'm sure that as many saw Jesus being crucified, they thought back on those words of, I remember he told us one time that when he was lifted up, we would know who he was. Here he is up on a cross. I wonder if he's really who he said he was. In the second half of verse 28, as we said, he said that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. He went on to say that he that sent me is with me. Now the Pharisees were beside themselves. But in spite of that, verse 30 says that speaking of the Jews that were listening, that many put their faith in him. So it wasn't totally unbelievable, the words that Jesus spoke, because as he spoke, there were some that said, you know what? What this guy's saying is true. And it says they put their faith in him. So now going on in the, in the next passage of Scripture, Jesus speaks to those that the Bible says believed him. John 8 and 31, the first half of that. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you look at verse 30 and verse 31, there are two slightly different Greek phrases that are both, both translated in the King James and the NIV as believed. Let's go back to verse 30. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. King James Version says, as he spake these words, many believed on him. And in verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. And in the King James, it uses the same terminology. But in the NIV, if you look the New International Version, in verse 30 in the New International Version, it says, as he spoke, many put their faith in him. And then in verse 31, it says, to the Jews who had believed. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? The NIV tries to distinguish between the two by saying in verse 30 that some put their faith in him. In verse 31, there were others who believed him. Now there's a difference. There's a difference in putting your faith in him and believing what he said. The phrase that's used in him is also the same phrase that's used in John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I believe what this differential is here is that the ones in verse 30 had a heart knowledge of Jesus and the ones in verse 31 had a head knowledge of Jesus. The ones in verse 31 just said they, they believed him in the NIV. To the Jews who had believed him. There's a big difference in believing on him and believing what he says. There's a big difference in putting your trust in him and believing what he says. You say, well, I don't understand that. Let's look at it this way. John eight thirty one through 36. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? 
And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And as Jesus addresses those that had gathered around, those that just believed him, these people had not trusted in him. They just believed that what he said was true. And we're going to see in a little bit that just believing what the Bible says is true is not enough. It goes much further than that. But as Jesus addresses this crowd, he leaves no doubt as to what he expects of them. He began to teach about discipleship. And he began to teach that discipleship begins with belief. That's where it starts. But to be real, it also demands obedience to Jesus and to his teachings. He said to those that just believed him, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. So believing is not enough. We hear a lot of people say, yeah, well, I believe in God. Well, that's good. That's a start. But that doesn't save us. And I believe this is the one of the most profound scripture that to explain that whole situation about believing in God and the difference of that in being saved. He taught them that only through holding on to his teaching and believing in him and being his disciples, that only through that you can be saved. And only through that you can be set free. Now, in, in despite the, the fact that they were under rule of the Romans at the time, the Jews found the statement about being set free very offensive, even though they were captive to the Romans. Josephus, a Jewish historian, said about the Jews, they have an inviolable or unassailable attachment to liberty, and they say that God is to be their only ruler and Lord. In other words, they believe that no one is over them, and because no one is over them but God, they aren't prisoners even though they are. And now Jesus is saying that you're a prisoner. And they're saying, no, we're not. We're not prisoners to anyone. And he says, you just don't get it, do you? What I'm talking about is you're prisoners to sin. They said, well, we can't be prisoners because we're descendants of Abraham. Okay. Remember what Jesus had told them later? He said that I was before Abraham was. So you can see why that really set them off and they picked up the stones and were going to slay him because they were claiming to be descendants of Abraham. And he said, well, that's great, but I was before Abraham. And Jesus told him, it really doesn't matter that you're a descendant of Abraham. The enslavement that I'm speaking about is sin. And yes, you are a slave to sin. Sin makes a person do things a lot of times that they don't want to do because they're not under control of the leading of the Spirit of God. They're under control of the leading of the devil. And the devil will lead them to do things that they just normally wouldn't do. And because of that, there is no person that sins that can claim to be set free. If you're under the bondage of Satan and the devil has taken over your life and is, is directing your ways, 
then you are under bondage. And you are a slave. And only by knowing the truth can you be set free. And that brings us to a question. What is truth? And what does it mean to believe? When we speak of truth, and we find ourselves in the middle of an election year here, we find that sometimes during this period of time, truth is something that is elusive to those running for office. And often it's, it's difficult to separate truth from fiction in politics. And sadly enough, in organized religion, sometimes it's not much better. There are too many ministers that say what they think that people want us to hear. And it's mainly because the people want to hear things to make them happy and make them feel good. You see, if, if somebody's in prison and you go and you do a show and you entertain them and make them happy, they're still in prison. They just got happy all of a sudden. And when you leave... They're still in prison. And there's a lot of people that will go to church today and they'll leave feeling pretty good about it, but they're still in prison. They were just made to feel good about being in prison. And Jesus was trying to speak to the people so that they wouldn't fall fall into that, that line of thinking. If you are in sin, you are in prison. If you are in sin, you are a slave. And there's only one way to be set free... He that the Son is set free is free indeed. And there's an awful lot of people out there that just want to hear things to make them happy and feel good. But you know what? It doesn't change the truth. David said it this way in Psalm 25 and 5. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. That should be our prayer today. Lord, guide me in your truth. Teach me. Because if we're not doing that, then we will find ourselves being in bondage just like Jesus spoke to the Jews. Probably one of the saddest things is when a person is in bondage and they don't even realize it. Seeking after the truth... And what truth is, is is not anything new. In John 18, verses 37 through 38. You are the king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. You see, Jesus was constantly talking about the truth. And there are too many people that call themselves Christians. There are too many people that call themselves believers. There are too many churches that call themselves a church that really can't find the truth anywhere among them. And I'm not saying that here at High Point Church, we have all the truth. That's a, that's a very popular thing for people to say that we have the truth. Bless God, we have the truth. You can't own the truth. The truth is what it is. You can know the truth and it will set you free. But we don't have 
rights, and we don't own the rights to the truth. Truth is not about what it says on your sign. Truth is not about what you call yourself. Truth is an absolute. And it will always be the truth. A dictionary will tell you that truth is the fact or facts, matter or circumstances, as it really is. That's what the truth is. The fact or facts, matter or circumstances, as it really is. And sadly enough, that there are people that claim to know the truth. There are people that claim to be Christians that really don't even know the facts as they really are. With people, sometimes truth can be something that's not exactly everlasting. Somebody will say to you, you'll always be my friend. And then later we discover that they've been talking about us behind our back. And maybe it was true at the time they said it, but later on, it's, it wasn't true. The truth that we're speaking of today was the same truth back then, and it's the same truth right now, and it will be the same truth a hundred years from now if this earth still exists. When we come to church sometimes and we worship, and we make promises that we'll love God and we'll worship Him and we'll serve Him always, and yet somewhere down in our heart we still harbor jealousy and envy and hatred and pride. And see, unlike Jesus, what we say is not always consistent with what we are. When He said He was the truth, that was His nature and it was who He was. Sometimes we say we speak the truth, but it's not really who we are. Many times there's an absence of truth in our lives. And on the other side of that, Jesus, what Jesus said was always consistent with who He was. Let me say that again. What Jesus said was always consistent with who He was. If we are striving to be like Jesus, then what we say should be consistent with who we are. We don't speak one thing and do something else. We don't say this and then act like this. Amen. Well, now you're getting a little personal. No. That's what truth is. Truth is the fact or the facts, the matter or circumstance as it really is. In other words, the way that you are is the truth about you. That's exactly right. The application is the important thing. Knowing the truth is not enough. Remember we talked a while ago about the difference of, of head knowledge and heart knowledge. Head knowledge will know. Heart knowledge will do. 
When Jesus said that he is truth, he was claiming that what he is is exactly what and who he says he is. And that helps us explain what Jesus said in John 8 and 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you know him, then you will know the truth. He is the truth. His life was a personification of truth. It was everything he said and everything he did was a reflection of what he was, and that was truth. And when we know that, the truth will set us free. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, speaking very, very bluntly, if you would, that I am the truth. I am the way and I am the life. No one comes to me, to the Father, except through me. And by saying, you will know the truth, and then later saying, I am the truth, Jesus claims to be the only truth that re really exists. Jesus claimed to be the personification of truth, and we know that he was. Truth defines Jesus, and Jesus defines truth, because truth is, if you go back to the definition, is the fact or facts, matter or circumstance, as it really is. So truth defines Jesus, Jesus defines truth. That's why he said, you will know the truth, and it will set you free. Because when you know me, it will change your life. And there's a difference in knowing someone and knowing who they are. Okay? I know who Abraham Lincoln was. I've read about him. I've seen pictures of him. I think he was a tremendous man. And I believe that he existed. But I don't know him. And there's a lot of people that have no more relationship with Jesus Christ than I do with Abraham Lincoln. They've read about him. They know who he is. They've heard stories about him and maybe even think he's a great man. But they don't know him. Because when you know the truth, when you know Jesus, he will set you free. Jesus' actions and character were always consistent with who he said he was. In other words, as, as Pastor Jay Dennis says, he was God with skin on. And his actions and the words he spoke and the way he lived his life was always consistent with what he said. So then what is the truth that Jesus says will make us free? Most of my life, probably all of my life, I've grown up hearing people talk about, bless God, we have the truth. We have the truth. We have the truth. And usually what they were speaking of was certain doctrinal issues. That's not all the truth is. The truth goes a lot further than that. It goes into the, the point of character. When we know who Jesus is, we know that He is the truth. We know how He lived His life. We know that His life was completely lined up to everything He said. 
When we know that, then we will have the truth. That would be the truth. You can know all the rules and regulations. But if your life doesn't show a reflection of Jesus Christ, and your life has not been transformed into something different than what it was, then you just have a head knowledge of the truth. You haven't been set free. You've simply been a prisoner in prison that's been entertained by the people that came in and entertained you. You're still a prisoner. The truth of Jesus is not mere information. Yes, it's important to have correct information. Truth is not just believing correct facts about God. Yes, those facts are important to know. But this is what Jesus said and how he said truth is acquired. In John 8, 31 and 32, in the King James Version, he said, if you continue in my word. In the NIV, he said, if you hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth and it will make you free. He didn't just say, when you know the truth, he said, if you hold to my teachings, if you follow what I said, so it goes beyond believing and it goes into action. And that's where a lot of people get confused because they think salvation is just about believing. But I believe Jesus made it very clear here that he said, if you continue in my word or if you hold to my teaching, then you'll know the truth. That word then is so important. It means with if you don't do that, then you don't know the truth and you haven't been set free. In other words, it's a conditional promise. And some people don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that there are conditions to salvation. But if you read John 8 and 31 and 32, I didn't write it and I didn't say it, but Jesus did. And he said, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. With that being said, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, I'm just going to say that I believe that it means if you don't hold to my teachings, then you're not my disciple, and then you don't know the truth, and you're still a prisoner. Amen. How about that? I'm glad I didn't write that. Obedience is the way that we embrace the truth. And freedom is the reward for embracing that truth. You say, well, I don't understand that. Let me say it again. Obedience is the way that we embrace the truth. And freedom is the reward for embracing that truth. What do you mean obedience is the way we embrace the truth. Obedience is that we believe and then we do what he said. And when we do what he said, we're obedient. And when we're obedient, then we're his disciples. And then when we're his disciples, we find freedom. 
Jesus does not say that all truth will set you free. He says, if you hold to my teachings, then the truth will set you free. We can't just go believe something and say, well, and there are people that say this today. Well, you know, you just believe what you believe, and as long as you believe it with all your heart, then you're saved. That's not true. That's not true. I don't care who tells you that. I don't care how many degrees they have or how many people watch their television program. You can't just believe whatever you believe and be saved. Because there aren't several different versions of truth. And if, the, if Jesus said, then you will know the truth and it will set you free, I believe there's only one truth. And Jesus said that no one comes to the Father except how? By me. He also said that He was the truth. So we have a choice. If we choose not to hold to His teaching, His promise of setting us free is void. Again, Jesus did not say that every truth will set you free. The true that truth that will set us free is His teaching. Not every thought or opinion of the evangelist of the day. Truth is not a theory. It's not a calculation. It's not an abstract or a logical deduction. It is not just a plan for success on the earth. It is not simply saying things that people want to hear so that they will send you money. That's not truth. Truth is an absolute. There are no versions of an absolute. It is what it is. Salvation is what it is. There is no other way to come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. There is no other way to receive salvation except through the blood of Jesus Christ. Truth is a way of life. A daily obedience to the Word, which is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He is the only truth. And only through acceptance and following His teaching can we find the truth that sets us free. Knowing all the theories about Jesus and about His existence does not make us free. There are a lot of people today that read the Bible and maybe can quote Scripture and they, and they know all of the things about the Bible. But it's never made it from here to here. And it's never changed their life. And because it's never changed their life, even though they have all this knowledge, they're still in bondage. That's exactly right. For a lot of people, the Bible is nothing more than a history book. And many people confess their sins to Jesus and they, they ask for forgiveness and then all of the growth stops. They accept Jesus for the one that's true. 
But then their quest for truth stops. And Jesus made it very clear to the ones he was speaking of that you will know the truth. But he says, it's when you hold to my word and become my disciple. See, it goes further than just the believing and the asking for forgiveness of sins. I believe that it requires discipleship. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. They want to hear the easy version of salvation. Lord, forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit. I got baptized. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to sit right here on my place on the pew until you come back. And that's not what Jesus said. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Are we holding to his teaching today? Are we really his disciples? And a lot of people today are, they're obedient to the Bible to a certain extent, but they don't put on the character of Christ. When we put on Christ's character, then truth begins to multiply in our life. To put it in, in simple human terms that I understand, godly character is kind of like a beautiful house. It's a credit to its designer. Now there's something that I want to point out that we have to be aware of. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and 7 that there are people that are always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. And those are the ones that I spoke of that read the Bible and and they can tell you all the different things about the book of Daniel and how it relates and correlates to the book of Revelations and they can describe all the, the images and all the different things in Revelation. But they never acknowledge the truth. And until they acknowledge that truth, they don't know the truth and they can't be set free. Am I saying quit reading the Bible? No, not at all. But at some point, we have to get past just discussing the theories of truth and embrace it by receiving the truth. Looking at and discussing the truth is no substitute for the joy of living life in the Holy Spirit. It's great to come and discuss the Word. It's great to to study the Word. It's great to hear the preaching. It's great to hear the teaching. It's great to read our Bible. But until we accept the truth, we're just prisoners that are being entertained. And it's possible that 20 years from now, you will be the same person you are today. Unchanged unmoved by the way of the truth. And there are others that will embrace the truth and their character will change into the likeness of Jesus. Because he says that truth you'll only receive when you're my disciples and when you follow my teaching. In English, to know simply means to have head knowledge of a given thing. And we know that from Scripture that There's a lot more than that that's required. James 2 and 19 says that you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe that and shudder. That was my translation, the good for you. Knowing that there is one God is not enough. 
A person dying of dehydration, they might know that water will save them, but unless they drink that water, even though it's within sight, they will die. You can know the truth of God and still not be set free because the knowing that Jesus was talking about was a knowing that makes us continue on and follow and become disciples. And if we have not done that, then we really don't either believe it or we really don't know it. So what is it that Jesus is talking about when he says to know the truth? What does that word know represent? In, in, I believe in this case it, it carries the idea that making a resolve based upon a thing that is known. Not just knowing it, but making a resolve to do what you know. We have read today that as followers of Jesus, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. But I believe we have to look at the entire statement. John 8.31 says, If you continue in my word, my teachings, my way, if you continue... To follow me, then and only then are you to my disciples. And then if you continue to follow me, then and only then are you going to be learning more from me. And then your life will be transformed. There's a lot of thens there. And each one of those thens is a condition of the next step. Kind of like if you're writing a program for a computer. Not that I can do that. But if you were writing computer language, you would say, if this, then this. And then if it goes this, then then this. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying, that if you do this, then this will happen. If you do this, then this will happen. If you will do this, then this will happen. And ultimately, you will be set free. The word then is very important in the passage we've read today. If you continue to follow me and learn my ways, then you will resolve in your heart to know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. Following Jesus changes a person's life. The the disciples of Jesus that followed him day in and day out, and they saw his character, and they began to be like him, they were different people than when they started out. And if we in our in our, our minds say, well, I've been following Christ for 30 years and we haven't put on the character of Him and have not become like Him, then we really haven't been following Him. Because if we're disciples, our lives will be changed. The pursuit of intellectual knowledge for the sake of knowledge is not what Jesus wants. I believe that there has to be a transformation that begins with believing and then it goes to following his teaching and then to discipleship and then we're set free. And I don't believe that we can just ask ourselves the question, what would Jesus do? I believe we have to resolve in our hearts and minds to do what Jesus would do. 
It's good to know what Jesus would do. Here I am in this situation and I ask myself, what would Jesus do? And I decide this is what Jesus would do, but I'm going to do something else. Then we're not followers. It requires discipline. Just knowing what Jesus would do doesn't really matter if you don't do it. In fact, the Bible is very specific about that. In James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, it says, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if anyone be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and he goes his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I don't know how you can get around that, that being a hearer is enough. And there are an awful lot of people today that say, well, you know, I've heard the gospel of Christ and, and I believed it. Well, good for you. then you're right up there with the devil. But have you done it? We can believe and not hold to the teaching. We can know and not believe. But if we do both, then we are his disciples. There was a writer named Thomas Costain. He wrote a a history book about the three Edwards. And in this book, he spoke of a person named Reynald III. Reynald III was a 14th century duke in what is now Belgium. And Reynald was grossly overweight. In fact, he was commonly called by his Latin nickname, Crassus, which means fat. After a violent quarrel... Reynald's younger brother Edward led a successful revolt against him. And Edward, his younger brother, captured Reynald, but he did not kill him. This is a true story. Instead, he built a room around Reynald inside the castle and promised them that he could have his title and all of his property back as soon as he was able to leave the room. And for most people, this wouldn't have been difficult because the room had several windows and a door of near normal size, and none of them were locked or barred. And all he had to do was leave the room. And the problem was Reynolds' size. In order to regain his freedom, he needed to lose weight. forgot that was in my pocket. <laughs> Let's go back to our story. So here's this Reynold. His brother's taken over his kingdom and built a room around him. And he put doors and windows in it and said, you know what? As soon as you can leave this room, you can have everything back. And the problem was Reynold was just, he was still fat. And all he had to do to regain his freedom was lose weight. 
But Edward knew his older brother, and every day he sent a variety of delicious food to his brother. And instead of dieting his way out of this room, he got fatter. And Duke Edward was accused of cruelty, and this is what's his answer. My brother is not a prisoner. He may leave when he so wills. And Reynald stayed in that room for ten years. And he only got out of the room when his brother Edward was killed in battle. And people got him out of the room. The sad thing is that his health was so ruined by then that he died within a year after being released. Reynald was a prisoner of his own appetite. Nothing stopped him from getting out other than himself. And the devil knows exactly what it takes to put us in prison and keep us there. And he knows that there's a way out if we choose to take that way out. But to keep us from doing that, he sends things to us daily for us to feed on so that we remain locked in prison. And the choice is ours. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But as Jesus told the Jews that were listening to him, the first key word in his offer was a little word, if. If you hold on to, and the next key word was, my teaching. If you hold on to my teaching, then you are my disciples. There's three key words there. If, my, disciples. And the third key word is in the next verse. It says, then you will know the truth. And that's the fourth key word. And then the truth will set you free. So we know that there's qualifications just like Reynald in his prison room that wasn't even locked. We know the conditions for release, and it's if my disciples, then you will know the truth. Later in verse 36, Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. The choice is ours. We can remain a slave to the devil, or we can become free in Jesus Christ. God bless you.